Hello, this is Supriti from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday, the 20th of January. India reported over 3,17,000 fresh COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. 491 fatalities were recorded in the same period, which takes the country's total death toll to over 4,87,000, according to the Union Health Ministry. The daily positivity rate is 16.41%. Delhi and Kerala witnessed a steep increase in coronavirus cases on Wednesday. Kerala registered 34,199 new infections. The new cases on Wednesday were 20.07% higher than Tuesday's count of 28,481 cases. Coronavirus cases also increased in Delhi, with the capital registering 13,785 new infections. The new cases on Wednesday were 17.98% higher than Tuesday's count of 11,684 cases. Mumbai, however, has recorded a dip in coronavirus cases. The city recorded 6032 new COVID-19 cases and 12 deaths. The new cases were marginally lower than Tuesday's figure of 6149 infections. According to the Times of India, 400 healthcare professionals in Lucknow, including doctors, nurses and other personnel, have been afflicted with the coronavirus sickness in the last 10 days. Doctors make up 20% of the group. According to AFP, the World Health Organization warned that the coronavirus pandemic is far from over, citing a record daily surge in illnesses in France, Germany and Brazil. Europe is at the center of fresh outbreaks, with Germany's case count surpassing 1 million and France reporting over half a million cases on Tuesday. While Prime Minister Boris Johnson emphasized that the pandemic was far from over, his administration announced that limitations placed in view of Omicron last month would be eased, AFP reported. Johnson cited data indicating that Omicron infections in the United Kingdom had peaked. Globally, the coronavirus has infected more than 337.4 million people and killed over 5.56 million, according to Johns Hopkins University. For the upcoming Uttar Pradesh Assembly elections, the Bharatiya Janata Party has announced an alliance with the Apna Dal Sone Lal and Nishad Party on Wednesday. Party chief JP Nadda stated during a press conference that the BJP was in talks with the two allies about seat sharing. On Wednesday, Apna Dal Sone Lal chief Anupriya Patel, who is also a union cabinet minister of state, described the partnership as a great cocktail of development and social justice. NDTV reported She also dismissed the claims that her party had asked to run for 36 seats in the state assembly elections. ANI reported Sanjay Nishad, the founder of the Nishad party, said on Tuesday that they had secured about 15 seats and were in talks for two or three more. Nishad said, and I quote, "Names of all the seats will be announced in 2 to 4 days after our meeting." End quote. He added that they have no objection to awarding the seats to the BJP. Amid the defections of OBC party leaders to the Samajwadi party, Nishad backed the BJP on the development of backward classes. Three ministers who resigned from Adityanath's ministry as well as a number of backward caste leaders in Uttar Pradesh have expressed their displeasure with the Safran party. They have accused the BJP of weakening the Dalit community, farmers, the unemployed and small business owners. Former Uttar Pradesh minister Swami Prasad Maurya and Dharam Singh Saini as well as five BJP MLAs and a number of other leaders joined the Samajwadi party in Lucknow on January 15th. 
Tara Singh Chauhan, another Uttar Pradesh minister, joined the Samajwadi Party on Sunday. The crucial 403-member Uttar Pradesh Assembly will go to polls in seven phases starting from February 10th. The results will be announced on March 10th. Listeners, five states which are Goa, Manipur, Punjab, Uttarakhand and Uttar Pradesh are all voting to elect new assemblies next month. A team of news laundry reporters and producers are going to all five states to bring you ground reports without any frills, fear or favor. But in order to do so, we need your support. So head over to newslaundry.com slash Sena and contribute to our NL Sena project. While you're on our website, you can check out my colleague Nithi Suresh's report on the Franco-Mulakal verdict and the power structures that underlie life within the Catholic Church. It is titled, Power, Lust and Church. Mulakal verdict brings focus back on abuse in convents despite checks. We are constantly trying to push ourselves to bring you the news coverage you deserve. As an independent news organization that does not rely on ads or favor from corporations or the government, your support is all we ask for. So if you aren't a subscriber already, become one today. Do your bit to keep news free and independent. Subscribe to newslaundry.com and pay to keep news free. Our lowest subscription starts at only 300 rupees a month. While upholding the 27% quota for other backward classes or OBCs in the National Eligibility Come Entrance Test or NEET undergraduate and postgraduate medical admissions, the Supreme Court said that reservation for backward classes is not at odds with merit, but rather enhances its distributive impact. The bench stated in its full ruling issued today that competitive exams do not reflect the economic and social advantages accrued to certain classes over time and that merit should be socially contextualized. The court upheld the centre's decision to approve the quota, saying the government was not obligated to seek its permission before awarding reservation in all India quota seats, so its decision was correct. The bench noted that judicial propriety would not allow it to stay the quota while counselling is continuing, especially when constitutional interpretation is involved, citing the fact that any decision by the court would have further delayed the admission process for the present year. Given the COVID-19 outbreak, the court emphasised the urgent need for more doctors in hospitals, stating that any adjustment in the eligibility requirements would have slowed the admission process and resulted in cross-litigation. The court will hear the question of the EWS reservation in detail in the third week of March. In this case, petitioners had challenged the Medical Counseling Committee's notification of July 29, 2021, which provided a 27% reservation for OBCs and a 10% quota for the EWS group in NEET, UG and PG All India Quota admissions. Hearing the petitions, the Supreme Court had asked the centre to explain what exercise it had undertaken to arrive at 8 lakh rupees criteria. The Indian Army is in contact with China's People's Liberation Army, or PLA, regarding a youth from Arunachal Pradesh who has been missing since January 18th. Tapir Gao, a BJP legislator from East Arunachal, stated on Tuesday that the PLA kidnapped a 17-year-old teenager named Miram Taron. According to sources in the defence establishment, the army is in contact with the PLA via hotlines about the matter. However, sources said a response from the PLA is still awaited, Indian Express reported. The army has requested the PLA's assistance in locating Taron on their side and returning him in accordance with protocol. While defence establishment sources claim that the boy is missing, 
Gao claims it is a case of kidnapping from Indian territory. He stated that two people had been kidnapped, but that one of them had escaped and reported the kidnapping to the authorities. The incident of the missing youth has kicked off a political row. Senior Congress leader Rahul Gandhi said in a tweet this morning that Modi's silence is a sign that he does not care. The incident comes at a time when India and China are yet to resolve the over 21-month-long standoff in eastern Ladakh, prompting new security concerns. In the last week of December, China's Ministry of Civil Affairs released standardized Chinese characters as well as the Tibetan and Roman alphabets for the names of 15 locations in Zhangnan, the Chinese term for Arunachal Pradesh, which it claims is South Tibet. The first person to be convicted in connection to the February 2020 riots in Delhi, Dinesh Yadav, was sentenced to five years of imprisonment by a Delhi court today, NDTV reported. This is also the first sentencing. This is also the first sentencing in cases related to the violence. Last month, additional sessions judge Virendra Bhatt had found Yadav guilty under several sections of the Indian Penal Code, including sections 143, which pertains to member of an unlawful assembly, 147, which is punishment for rioting, 148, which is rioting armed with a deadly weapon, 457, which is house trespass, 392, which is robbery and 436, which is arson. The maximum punishment under these sections have a jail term of up to 10 years. Between February 23rd and February 26th, 2020, clashes erupted in northeast Delhi between supporters of the Citizenship Amendment Act and those opposing it. The violence claimed the lives of at least 53 people, the majority of whom were Muslims. A number of cases involving the violence are currently being heard in Delhi courts. According to a complaint made by a 73-year-old victim, Yadav was part of a crowd of over 200 individuals that trespassed into a woman's house, vandalized it, committed robbery and then set it on fire on February 25, 2020. The prosecution said during the case's hearing that Yadav was an active member of the riotous mob, who was named by the complainant in her supplementary statement. In the case, the police also produced two police witnesses and a public witness. North Korea will strengthen its defences against the US and consider resuming all temporary suspended activities, according to the state news agency KCNA on Thursday. An apparent reference to a self-imposed moratorium on nuclear weapons and long-range missile tests. According to the official KCNA news agency, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un called a meeting of the governing workers' party's powerful Politburo on Wednesday to discuss important policy matters, including countermeasures against hostile U.S. policy. According to KCNA, the Polish Bureau ordered a review of trust-building measures and promptly examining the issue of restarting all temporarily suspended activities while calling for immediately bolstering more powerful physical means. North Korea's threat came hours before the UN Security Council was set to meet behind closed doors on Thursday to discuss the recent missile launches, which the US and several other countries had requested. During a nearly two-hour press conference on Wednesday to commemorate his first year in office, President Joe Biden made no mention of North Korea. South Korea's defense ministry said it is keeping a close eye on North Korea's winter drills while maintaining a high readiness level describing recent missile tests as severe threats. The Unification Ministry in charge of inter-Korean relations warned of further escalation, 
saying the peninsula should not return to its confrontational past and that the only way ahead is via dialogue and diplomacy. North Korea carried out its fourth missile test of the year on Monday, following two launches of hypersonic missiles capable of high speed and maneuverability after liftoff, and another employing a railway-borne missile system. Pyongyang has justified the missile launches as a sovereign right to self-defense and accused Washington of applying double standards over weapons tests. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.